Welcome along to episode 723 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. Zoe Turner joining me as well for one of our chats today as we'll both be talking to John. Welcome along to episode 723 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. Also joined by Zoe Turner this week as we'll both be having a chat with Reverend and the Makers John McClure all about his latest album release. We'll be having an atto with Alice Favonia from The Great British Bake Off Season 10. She was a finalist there and she's currently getting ready for the Coronation Big Lunch. Chris Commander let us know about the latest of goings on with Sutton Arts Theatre and their current production which is on now. We talked to Rod Bissett of the Grange Players, all about their forthcoming production. Jordan Mitchell lets us know about the work that he's doing to raise funds for Crohn's and colitis. We have a catch-up with Kim Halliday, all about his work as a film and TV score writer and his single releases too. And Adam Ricketts will be along when you hear him tell us how to avoid scams as he was caught out in the last 12 months. That's all on the way on the show this week. Welcome to the milk bar. 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 The countdown is on to the King's coronation. It's also to the big lunch as well. Tell us more about what's going on. I'm joined now by Bake Off star, series finalist in series 10, Alice Favonia. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Very excited for the coronation. How are you? I'm good and suitably excited as well, but I'm probably not going to have demands from friends and family for baked cakes during that period, whereas I'm likely to find you are. Yes, it is very much sort of me and my element. I think coronation and baking sort of go very well together, especially for the big lunch. Um, so, yeah, I've certainly got my hands full, making sure I've got lots of treats for everyone involved. Yeah, I mean, the big lunch itself uh, is absolutely fantastic. Raising awareness and funds. Tell us a bit more about what's going on there, because it's all began at the Eden Project. Yeah, so it's been going since 2009, the big lunch. Um, and it's a fantastic initiative. It's all about sort of creating friendlier communities, getting people together um, and speaking to people that you would to. And then from those conversations um, comes all sorts of opportunities, you know, the sharing of ideas and resources. And hopefully that will lead to sort of the desire to create a positive impact in your local community. So, um, yeah, all sorts of um, wonderful things have come out of the big lunch. And obviously the coronation is a fantastic opportunity to have one. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, a chance to, to get together, uh, chat, um, enjoy time over food and, and, and really share together. And I, I think that's going to be one of the nice things that we're seeing a nation uh, which is all focused on, on, on one thing and a positive thing, something good and, and exciting and fun. Yeah, absolutely. And as well, though, the thing that we have to say, you know, I obviously love baking. And so that's my thing. And I'm very excited to get in the kitchen. But not everyone is like me. And um, I don't want anyone to be put off attending one of these events or hosting one because they don't love baking or they're a bit intimidated thinking oh gosh I've got to make this big banquet you're not going to be judged by Paul Hollywood on this one um so <laughs> whatever whatever takes your fancy it doesn't have to be expensive it doesn't have to be elaborate um you can turn up with a packet of biscuits and a cup of tea and have a chat with a neighbor of the fence so whatever um however you can get involved yeah uh, that, that works just as well I so say it doesn't have to be fancy food uh but uh it, it just has to be about the social element of it and I think that that's the important part and I, th I think 
when you we see you guys in the tent, I mean, not only are you being judged by Paul Hollywood and Prue and everybody else who's uh, yeah, uh, keeping an eye on you, because I mean, the, the, the crew also get to sample the delights that you bake as well, don't you? And, and they let you know what they think too, I'm going to guess. Yeah, so um, it's interesting because the it always made me laugh because obviously they they the judges come around and they taste all the food and the crew are there obviously they can hear all the feedback and they sometimes pull this fork out of their pockets and as soon as um you know they are well that one's not very nice so we're going to leave that one but oh this one sounded delicious so we'll go over there um none of the food got wasted everyone sort of got involved with it so yeah it was great and and have you actually prepared a, a special uh, creation for the uh, the coronation so I've, yeah, I've been sort of working on a few different recipes. Um, I've got some patisserie that I'm going to share soon. And I made a really lovely salted caramel chocolate tart the other day, um, which should be perfect to sort of have at, at celebrations. But yeah, as I said, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be fancy. And no one is is judging if you pop to the shops to buy something. Um, the most important thing is that you're there. Yeah, it's it's about coming together, and I uh, say so the big lunch you mentioned has been going for some significant time, and this is a, an extra opportunity. I mean, the whole of May has got some great bank holiday weekends in it, so you can't move for chances to get together with friends, family, and in the right scenario, strangers as well to be able to sort of spread a bit of community spirit. Absolutely, yes. I haven't got it's three bank holidays, um, yeah. So so many opportunities and um yeah lots of for me lots of baking <laughs> which is which is going to be fun that's the important part you do enjoy it still oh i absolutely love it yeah it's amazing it's still my favorite thing to do even after the stresses of the tent it's still sort of what i do to relax so and, and that is good because it means you can enjoy the big lunch in all its glory. And obviously, this is said something that everyone can get together with but how do you organize a big lunch event so it's very easy. You can head to coronationbiglunch.com and there's so much information there. You can download your free event pack. It has loads of resources in it um, and you can also find out what events are happening in your local area. So check out what's going on. And uh, have you got some tips online for us as well? You mentioned the uh, these wonderful things that you're baking. If we check out your socials, can we maybe bake one of these too if you fancy a bit of a challenge rather than that packet of biscuits? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at alice.fevronia. We can see what's going on there. And, and do you keep in touch with any of the rest of the gang from, from your years still and future years? Yeah, and past years. Yes, yeah. I saw some of them yesterday, actually. Um, yeah, it's it's really lovely. I think you know everyone's so different that's on the show, but has this sort of shared love for baking. Um, so, yeah, definitely some amazing friendships were made. And uh, a chance to, to share those, hopefully, over a big lunch during the coronation weekend. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's all sorts of partners, including Iceland and PG Tips. Uh, you've got uh, Hans Rising Trust also involved in this too, and the Eden Project. They're all part of bringing the big lunch together and that whole community spirit of it. And I, I think that's uh, an absolutely fantastic uh, thing to do. Remind us of that web address where we can find out about our local big lunch. It's coronationbiglunch.com. Well, it's going to be great. Have a brilliant time with what you're doing. May all your cakes turn out exactly as you wish. I'm not going to mention soggy bottoms. That's Sidonia. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. There are two one-act plays going to be on stage at the Sutton Arts Theatre. It all gets going on the 27th of April and runs through to the 6th of May. Christopher Commander is in one of those two shows, ironically called The Dumb Waiter. He joins me now to tell me more. Hello, sir. Sorry, I'm just waiting and I'm dumb. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, hello, how are you? 
I'm okay. I hope we find you well and enjoying your time back on stage at Sutton. It's uh, it's lovely to tread the boards again. It's been, it feels like it's been a while, but uh, that's the nature of the business. Yeah, it has. It has, well, it has been a while since you've been down at Sutton. I know you've been doing all yeah. sorts of bard-related things all over, uh, all over the, the place in, in Warwickshire. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been at the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust uh, performing outside, which I will be again this summer, which will be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm all over the place. You can't escape me. I'm here. Yeah. But most people are trying to. However, they yeah, certainly won't want to miss out on uh, this show, uh, which is coming up as part of these two one-act plays. So tell us a bit about the one you're in and uh, and how all this comes together. Right. So uh, The Dumbwaiter, uh, which is a Harold Pinter piece, um, classified as one of his, his masterpieces, a one-act masterpiece is, is what it's been uh, classified as. It's sort of a... Um, a comedy psychological thriller. Um, I play one of two characters in it. Um, we are both hitmen waiting for our next job. So we've been sent to um, a house to do. Um, I'm trying not to give anything away. It's very tough <laughs> uh, to to do our job. And I, as the junior partner who has worked with Ben, my senior partner, for for many many years now has started to um, question the organization that he works for and the politics and um, sort of the world around. It's sort of a commentary on, on um, community and a commentary on, on, on the world at large. Um, there's a lot of subtext involved in the play. Uh, a lot of the questions, a lot of the pinter pauses as they are, commonly referred to um, are the questions that are being asked in my head, which will also be the questions asked in the audience. Um, we joked a lot about wanting to be a fly on the wall uh, after the show to hear what people's thoughts are and what their questions are or how they interpreted all of those silences and, and what, what, what they think's going on. I think it's fascinating. So you sneak out during the interval is, is your plan? Is that, is that what you're thinking? <laughs> Uh, quite possibly. Maybe in a different hat, maybe some glasses. Uh, Just turn up in a dressing gown knowing you, to be fair. Standard, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, lots to, to see there. And then the second play, This Wide Night. And this uh, wide another night. one after. Tell us a little about this one. Uh, it's a play by Chloe Moss, and um, it's about two women who have recently gotten out of prison and they shared a cell together uh, and they became good friends. And it's about their life into the into the world and to see if prison life can work in the real world and what they've learned inside and how they cope with um, what it's like being on the outside now. And also having a friend who has been through that, but they have both done um, they've both done terrible things to be in prison. So how does that relay uh, to their relationship and also how how other people view them mm -hmm. and and had then i suppose how people outside color the judgment as somebody who you've been friends with throughout your incarceration and and then how that's a you know, sort of relationship can change there so you've got two people who are planning on doing bad things two who've done them already and maybe trying to reform uh so it's it's an interesting evening uh, of, of criminology in many ways yeah vice vice and crime i think is probably a good a good subtitle for the for the evening. Um, there are a couple things I should mention. Mm -hmm. 
Um, first of all, apart from getting your tickets, which you must come down and see anyway, um, we actually have a new offer available because it's uh, we're, we're encroaching on May territory. Mm -hmm. So um, you can get half price tickets on opening night and May Day uh, if you if you use the code half price in in the uh, in your checkout online. Look at that! I did the things. There you go. Very good. So it's Thursday Thank the 27th you. and uh, Monday the 1st. So those are the two half price codes that you want to use. Is there a space in between half and price? Don't think. No, there isn't. No, no it's, all, it's all one no. word. Yes. It's a, that, that, that's a further reduction. So uh, that's all good. <laughs> uh, so if you want to get along and save yourself some cash and see that at these special times, but it just run uh, Thursday the 27th through till Saturday the 6th. And the only day you get off in the middle of that is a Sunday, and it's all 7.30 in the evening performances. Yes, it is. So that's going to be good. But, I mean, so it, it's part of the, the joys of being back on stage. And uh, say so, Sutton Arts is such a wonderful venue. And I think it's going to suit well because these sound like they're both quite intimate, conversational-type plays with humour. And you're in the right sort of space for that, aren't you? Yes. And especially the Dumbwaiter, we have staged it very close to the front of of the stage itself. So the audience should feel as claustrophobic as Ben and Gus do uh, going through their, their, um, their evening. Um, and the audience should feel um, slightly uneasy at times, um, relaxed in, in the laughter times, uh, but should come on a journey with us because they feel so, so close, literally very close to us. Um, it's, uh, it's going to be, uh, an acting treat to both perform and watch, I think. It should be oh, good thank fun. thank you. Sutton Arts Theatre is on South Parade, Sutton Coalfield. Uh, B721QU is where you can find them. Uh, SuttonArtsTheatre.co.uk. Uh, nip along, find the links. Uh, you can find the links on their Facebook pages too for the tickets. Or you can call the box office on 0121 So lots of threes, lots of fives. 0121 355 five three five five and uh, get yourself along and can you use the half price code when you talk to somebody i i'm sure i'm sure you could ask nicely I, I ask I nicely yeah. yeah that will work yeah they're a lovely lot at the box office yeah talk to them i know they have to put up with with you being a diva every once in a while but they all the time that. i just burst in, in in silk and fabric and just ask for tea and they yeah. have to give it to me and it has to be herbal of, of course. Yes. We don't want any caffeine inside you. That could be dangerous. Um, dangerous enough as is. Well, Chris, you can be found online and on the socials too. Where do we find you? Uh, if you search up Christopher Commander, you will find me all over the place. My f Instagram is is the thing that I use the most. So if you search Christopher Commander on, on Instagram, you will find me and all what I am up to and and probably auto photos of cats. Uh, and, and it's holiday. good how you do that because you take when you play a cat, you take on the part completely. It looks just like a cat. It looks just like a cat. I know. Yeah. Strange. Impressive. Anyway, it's, it's a cat. Chris, always good to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. Have a brilliant time. Break a leg, and uh, we look forward to everybody enjoying the show down at the Sutton Arts Theatre. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Jason. Reverend and the Makers have a brand new album out on the 28th and are exploring the country, bringing such music to the masses. John McClure joins us now to let us know exactly what's been going on. Resplendent is dressing out whilst consuming a smoothie. Hello, sir. Hey, guys. How are you both? 
<laughs> okay. Well. Yeah. Now, <laughs> uh, music is obviously at the heart of everything that you do. And uh, I'm loving the new album. I've been sent a little sneaky preview. Oh, listen, amazing. Including, uh, is it a bit of Bossa Nova on there as well? I mean, what, what have we got going on? Yeah, there's one track called The Exception, which is, um, yeah, a little bit bossa. I'm a big fan of Brazil, actually. It's one of my favourite places in the world. I've uh, been there a couple of times. And, uh, yeah, I think, like, the album's, um, I don't know, the, the reaction's been off the chart, really. Just, like, people, the way people have, have reacted to it, it's blown my mind a bit, really. Uh, lots of people saying they think it's, like, the best thing we've ever done and whatever, which... I guess as a songwriter is what you want in it because you 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 plod round playing all your well known songs, but it's you know to have this reaction to new music is is really exciting. I think it's a lovely album, and my favourite's um, "Overthinking." Will that be released single? Do you think? I don't think it's going to be a single. Um, I guess that's my sort of. Uh, not, I shouldn't really be eating when I'm talking. My mum always told me not to do that. <laughs> Hang on. It's not going to be a single, but. A lot of people have mentioned that one. I mean, lyrically on this, obviously I started in that scene with the Arctic Monkeys and a lot of social realism and kitchen sink drama and that sort of stuff. Moving through, I've made political albums and I've made hedonistic psychedelic records, but this one is, is very much a sort of an introspective in lots of ways and none more so than that track. Um, I have, I mean, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I've got a sort of generalised anxiety thing that I've had since childhood, I take tablets to sort of mediate that. But it is an issue. I overthink everything. Um, and musically, it's, I guess, my little ode to Nigerian music, Fela Kuti, the great, late, great Fela Kuti, who I was lucky enough to go with Damon Albarn to, to Lagos once to hang out with Fela's son uh, and spend some time at the, the legendary Shrine nightclub. So it's my little kind of Afrobeat number, I guess. Um, but I love the horns, man. Anything with horns in, I'm a sucker for the trumpets, mate. I love it. But, but does this make it a, a sort of South Yorkshire sound? Is that a thing for you? Because, I mean, the last 15 years, you've you've really you've, you've put your own stamp on the music industry. Yeah, I mean, like, there, I guess the, the themes that I would identify as a South Yorkshire sound really maybe are the, the lyrical delivery. We, I, I, I sing in my own accent, so that's a, a commonality, I guess, to Sheffield. But also there's the... And it's the birthplace of British electronica, right? So there's there's the use of synthesizers, but I'm so far into my career that sort of I'm at a stage where I can really do what I want, I guess, uh, and <laughs> just make any kind of song I want, um, <laughs> as it proves on this yeah. album, you know. And and, and yeah. it's funny, isn't it? You make albums, some of them are well received, some of them are not. You you make different types of records, and for whatever reason, this one I don't know if it's just a bit more pop oriented in some ways because it's got choruses and catchy melodies or whatever but people just seem to love it you know it's it's we're vying for a bit of a chart position and, and the sales mm. are great so I, I shouldn't moan because you know you don't even think you're going to be in a band in your 40s uh, and here I am it's that great John Lennon quote right where he says uh, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans <laughs> and I never assumed I'd still be here you know and, and here I am and it's it's going really well so long may it continue yeah. Do you think it's a reflection of where you are personally? And that's what it's doing so well, you know, because you, you're into your music production and you've got your confidence that what you're doing is, is you know, is good, as it were. So yeah, maybe. That's why it's reflected in this album in that way, do you think? Yeah, and I'm probably a bit more settled as a, as a 
adult. I'm, I've got two children now, my wife, Laura, who's obviously a founder member of the band and stuff. And I'm in a good moment in that respect. And I think some people just write better songs as they get older. I mean, I mentioned Damon Albarn, but also Richard Orley, who we've got here in Sheffield, uh, Nick Cave. There's a bunch of people, isn't there, who, for, for, for whatever reason, as they get older, their music gets better. Uh, not worse, and I think maybe I'm going to be one of them because I really feel like as a songwriter, I'm in a, I'm in a purple patch. I'm in a good, I'm in a good moment. So I'm just kind of keen to do more, really, and do you know to put as much art out there as possible. And heatwave in the cold north. I mean, what what's that giving us? Because uh, <laughs> are you feeling a little bit ahead of things in the uh, uh, that part of the world? Well, I mean, when it gets over over four degrees up north, we've all got us <laughs> tops off, haven't we? We're all like thinking it's uh, thinking it's uh, like Mediterranean weather. <laughs> Um, but I think musically it's <clears throat> kind of touching on almost like Philadelphia soul, which weirdly when I was growing up was the music my parents loved. You know, they would like play things like OJ's, Delphonics, uh, Barry White, particularly Barry White. They love that. My dad actually told me when he was drunk that I would conceive to Barry White, which is <laughs> not something anyone needs to, to hear. Um, I don't know. I just think, I think like that soul thing, If I, when I lean into it, it seems to, to work. And, but, Conversely, the melodies are coming from a more modern place, you know, that uh, my friend Danny, who I write my songs with, he's he's kind of coming more at it for, I guess, from like an R&B, maybe more modern Frank Ocean future, like these influences, I guess, a bit more. So is there a, because I know you mentioned the other people that you're working with, um, and your band name suggests that it is a band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who are the other people that are in the band? There seems to be quite a few of them. Well, yeah, I mean, it's weird, Reverend Amicus, because it's kind of like an open relationship, like an open marriage, so it's like my <laughs> band, but then I can go off and do what I want, with who I want, when I want. But then there's a band as well, so there's a guy called Ed Cousins, who's uh, my childhood friend, who sometimes will help with the record, sometimes won't. He's not been particularly involved on this one. Uh, there's my wife, Laura, who plays synth and trumpet and, and contributes sometimes lead vocals, but most often backing vocals on all of the records. She's a kind of constant feature of all the music. Uh, we have a bass player called Antonia Poole, who uh, she's great. She's recently joined the band. Uh, and then the, the drummer is a guy called Ryan Jenkinson, who's been with us for about 10 years now. So it has changed a lot, the cast, over the years. And then the record, I met a guy called Danny Lafrombe, who uh, went during COVID. I produced a bunch of stuff for other people, wrote a bunch of stuff for other guys and, and other artists and uh, did some stuff for an advert. And in the process of doing this, I met Danny and he's a Sheffield Wednesday fan, me and him get on really well. So he came and lived in my shed and me and him just wrote loads of songs together. And I don't know what it is, but there's something about mine and his partnership that just seems to to bear incredible fruit. So I'm looking forward to, you know, trying to keep him in my shed permanently. I was going to say, I bet it's the shed thing, isn't it? It's men in the shed. Brings out the best. Yeah, it's nice. Things. It's like, I'm, I'm actually, the, the drilling sounds you can hear, actually. I mean, I say shed. It's actually a coach house, but I don't want to <laughs> appear to be a class. I don't want to appear to be a class traitor. I've been having a double-story shed, and the drilling you can hear is that I'm having a tunnel built between the house and the coach house to link the two buildings together. So it's uh, Danny. Danny. Danny is, is now going to have a, a sort of glass link way, so he can, you know, feel like he's part of the family. And you feed him more easily without the food getting cold, which all helps. Oh no, we definitely feed him, mate. Yeah, he, he goes on strike if we don't feed him. We've got to feed him. You know, it's uh, you know, there's there's a sort of employment rights to consider. <laughs> so what happens next then? Because uh, I mean, it took you a couple of years from 2005 to 2007 to get an album together. Then it was 2009. 
every couple of years, if you get the chance, there's an album. So mm-hmm. uh, it must be enjoying touring this one. But does this it's sort of feed creativity for the next lot of work? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've already wrote a lot of songs for it because me and Danny's sort of partnership is such such a buzz that we just write songs all the time. But within the next month, I'm going on an acoustic tour all around the UK where you can buy the album and get a ticket for the acoustic tour. And it's like £15, which we think is a very reasonable price. So there's a bunch of local unsigned acts that we're going to be jumping on to do that with me. And then after that, I went on a trip from Sheffield overland to our twin city of Kitway in Zambia last year, looking at music. Uh, there was a great psychedelic rock scene called Zamrock in Kitway in the 70s. So I'm looking at music all the way from here, between here and Zambia, and we're going to start sharing that footage online. Uh, and just, yeah, the wheels of industry won't stop turning. There's a lot of festival appearances, and, uh, yeah, we're very busy. And I think I don't really want to let up now. I feel like I'm in a good moment, so why would I stop, you know? Yeah. And it's much more craft than content. You're not a content producer. You actually craft this stuff, which I like as well. Which I, And I think everybody gets you for that too, don't they? Yeah, definitely, you know, and, and what's what's been great, in the last few years is that I do, I do gigs in people's houses. I take the crowd when I do the big shows with the band, I take the crowd outside in the street afterwards. Um, and what's great now is you see a lot of young bands come up who sort of name check me and the band. And some of them do cover versions of my song and they're even starting to do like a little scene of gigs in people's houses. Right. So I guess in some way I'm becoming, I don't want to say an elder statesman, but certainly like a veteran. <laughs> so I'm, I'm enjoying. You're only 41. Part- come on. Well, this is it, mate. Yeah, but you know, I'm enjoying imparting a bit of advice to them younger artists and watching them yeah. go on and be successful is is really kind of inspiring. And yeah, it's great, man. I feel very fortunate, and and I think it's a good time uh, for music again. I think people after COVID really missed, you know, that live experience and stuff. So mm. it's great to see it coming back to life. You can get onto the website, you can get the album. Reverend of the Makers, Heatwave in the North is the album. And you're getting good values, loads of tracks on there, well worth a listen. And you listen to it, you can't tell which ones are going to be the singles because they're all single quality. It's going oh, to be well keep, worth Keep talking, listen. babe. <laughs> John, what's your social network of choice for us to see what you're up to? Uh, Twitter's the one. Uh, I mean, I am across them all, TikTok and Facebook and Insta and stuff. Uh, but I, I, I am most responsive on Twitter, and you can direct message me there if you uh, have got anything of interest you want to say to me. Absolutely. Sounds like it will work. Joe McClure, Reverend <laughs> of the Makers, thank you for joining us. Lovely. Thank Cheers, you. Cheers, guys. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. From the 11th of May, the Grange players are back in action once more with the woman in white. Rod Bissett is here to tell us more. Hello. Hello, how are we doing, Jason? I'm all right. How are you doing over there? Doing well, thank you, mate. You're doing well. Good stuff. What's happening then? Because there is a constant stream of fine theatre coming from both the Grange and the Fellowship players, all on the same stage, and it is, as ever, wonderful to hear what you're up to. So tell us a bit about The Woman in White. So, yeah, as you said, we're doing The Woman in White, which is adapted from a, uh old Victorian novel by Wilkie Collins, one of those that's sort of always been heralded as one of the great British uh, pieces of literature um, and was done by a Lloyd Webber as a musical, although you will be pleased to hear we're not singing in this one. We're just doing the stage adaptation. OK, so it is words only and that tells the tale. And this is, uh, again, another big cast piece because you, you do tend to have quite a large cast considering the size of your stage. We, we we like to give people their money's worth, absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, we've got a good size cast with this one. I believe we've got about eight or eight or so people up, up on this stage telling this story to people. Okay, so how does it line up? Who do we see on stage? So uh, we are introduced to a chap called Walter Hartwright, who is going to this big stately house because he's been employed as the drawing teacher. Mm-hmm. And he tells the tale that a few nights previous, he was out and about and he he encounters a young woman dressed entirely in white. Okay, it's starting to sound spooky already. And this woman tells him, she, she's desperate to tell this, this dark secret that she's got, but he discovers this woman, she's escaped from the local asylum. Ooh. He makes his way, he, he eventually gets to his new job where he meets the... Um, the the invalid owner of the house and the two girls that he's teaching art to, one of whom bears a very uncanny resemblance to the woman he met a few days previous. Okay, so intriguing things. We probably better not say too much more because it I'm sounds like... I'm trying my like, best not to give too much yeah, away. That, yeah, I, I feel a plot twist coming on there that we don't want to uh, to tease too much. So obviously this is another fun one to do. And I think when when you get to act these things out and tell a tale in this way, I think that's what's great for the performers, isn't it? And, that, and that's what keeps people interested in doing this. In oh. as much as, yeah, there's always something special, different, and it's always nice to... Uh, have is something happening with the audience that uh, that keeps them on their toes? Oh, absolutely, and we, we we always like to give our audience the uh, you know, an absolute variety of pieces. And this this one is going to be very different to the last one we put on, where there'll be slightly less food thrown at them. This one's <laughs> a, a a nice old fashioned period piece and tells a rather beautiful if if dark story. So it's going to be one for not for the faint-hearted, but for everybody who likes a little bit of a twist and something that's going to say scare them just a little bit in the right way, just, uh, just a little bit, just a little bit, uh, just enough. And uh, the, 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 the players again uh, there. I mean, what, what is your part in this one? Are you directing or are you on stage? Um, interestingly enough, I've just been cast. We, we had a, we, we've had one of our cast members, unfortunately had to drop out at the very, very last minute. And so I will be on stage and I'm very quickly learning the part <laughs> before we go on stage in two weeks' time. But that's fine. You can you can manage that in two weeks. That's not an issue. And uh, it, it, it'll be cool. But I uh, say so the, the, the Grange player is doing such good work. I mean, we've talked about all the productions you've had coming up recently. And, uh, you know, it's been... Uh, an interesting time for audiences to actually get out there and, and see some good quality drama and uh, also have a bit of fun too. So uh, there's plenty more planned for the rest of the year, I'm going to guess, because we're a little way off the summer break, aren't we? We are. We've got, um, we've still got our sister company, the Fellowship Players, who are going to be coming in and their next uh, production is going to be uh, Dad's Army. Oh, that should be good. Which needs no real introduction. Um and there's a bit of a change to what the Grange put on. On the 6th of May, uh, we're doing a murder mystery evening. Ooh, now this sounds fun too. So uh, a chance for people to be, take part. Is it sold out yet or is there a few places It's left? not sold out yet. The tickets are absolutely flying by. It's, uh, a, it's a new company that the Grange are working in partnership with. And we're doing it all to raise money for a lovely charity called the Acacia Family Support. Mm-hmm who do a lot of work for uh, families who've had to suffer uh, like sort of through postnatal depression. Right. And so 
one of our theatre members is actually she's doing like a lot of fundraising for that charity. And one of them is they've got in contact with a murder mystery company who are putting on a show for people to come down, get involved with. It's not like a normal theatre piece. We need the audience to take part and raise some money for charity. Okay, that all sounds good. And all this, of course, is available to find out more via the Grange uh, yeah, website and also the Facebook pages. Absolutely. So our website, as ever, is the grangeplayers.co.uk. And then through there, you'll be able to find uh, the link to go to the uh, tickets. Or they can just ring the box office on 07909 Excellent. You can say, remember lines and remember phone numbers. Multi-talented, <laughs> this man. Uh, Rod, always good to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. Grange Players is what you're looking for. It's all at the Grange Playhouse, just down by the Arbor Eastman in Warsaw, and well worth getting yourself along to. So uh, thanks again. Have a great time. Break a leg and uh, enjoy yourself unexpectedly on stage. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Jason. Tim Halliday. It may not be a name that initially springs to mind, but you're guaranteed to have heard some of his music. And he joins me now to tell me off for being quite so rude. How are you doing, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And it's not rude at all. It's, uh, it's the reality of how it goes. But it's it's reality of what you do as a exactly. big chunk of your work because you're not supposed to know who you are. That's the deal, isn't it? That is the deal, yeah. And unless you're working on a on a, a horror film or a romantic film, which I don't, I'm not renowned for romance, um, then you know the music's really got to be part of a part of a much bigger piece. So mm -hmm. I don't I don't really mind. And let's put it this way: if the film is rubbish, everyone said it's the director's fault. Nobody ever says it's the composer's fault. So that's uh, that's part of the reason I do it. Makes all the difference. But, I mean, you have to have a massive skill to be able to help tell a story because a, a film or TV series without the score really just doesn't work, does it? No, no, it doesn't. It's interesting because uh, I'm, I'm a lot less belligerent about this than I used to be <laughs> when I was younger. But, you know, uh, the fact of the matter is I pluck music out of the air. And, you know, that's not something everyone could do. And it's taken me quite a long time to realise that. Um, but it's, it's one of these things where you sort of go, well, you know, one of the joys of my work is to talk to directors or producers or whoever it is who's briefing you, you know, and to kind of prize out of their head what was in it in terms of music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's it's, it's a great thing. My, my favourite brief, obviously, my favourite response to if if I write somebody a piece of music, my favourite response is, yeah, it's great, thanks. But my second favourite is, it's rubbish, do it again, because that's really clear. There's some really clear <laughs> instruction there. You need so, to know I, what they're looking for. And if they, it's, to... it's obviously, it's their fault if you've got it wrong as well. Well, I yeah, I used to say that. I've kind of I've kind of come away from that towards it's my job to understand the words they're using. So I I said to somebody once I was in a I, when I was at the London I went to the London Film School sorry a long time ago, and um, uh, Barrington Feelong. Oh yeah, at Morse yeah. Morse yeah Morse yeah. and and I did a great score for a film called Nostradamus, which was absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. And he said I can I can give you some advice. Um, Ask the director to describe in one word the scene that you're working on. It's like, that's brilliant. So the next thing I did, which was at the film school, it was a student film, a horror film called B-Movie Status. I said to the director, who I still speak to, so I haven't, I haven't peed him off that much, <laughs> um, what, how, what's, this, what's this scene to be like? And he said, scary. And I'm like, okay, so I made a little note on my pad. And then we watched the next scene. I said, what about this one? And he said, scarier. <laughs> i'm not sure this is the great advice i thought it was but that's the, that's the deal you know when the director says i want it to be something you have to 
find out exactly what they mean by that. Yeah, but you do get the joy of seeing these things through as well and then coming up with a score which is going to tell the personalities. And and often uh, you will have a theme for a person when they're on screen, even if you don't realise it. It's there and it actually Mm. sets the tone. And you can tell the actor's mood from the music that you're playing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you have to, that's what you're driving really is to support what the actors are doing or to support the 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 arc of the scene so the scene starts somewhere and ends somewhere and you've got to support that that traveling uh, and it's the greatest thing and you know horror films are my favorite because you can sit in the cinema and watch the audience jumping when you made them jump because without as you said without the music it's not really that scary it just doesn't work and and, and music has this magic that does odd things to our world and it's a uh... If we had a soundtrack to our everyday lives, I think there'd be a lot happier people out there because they'd know what they were supposed to be thinking. You see, they, this is another thing I've only just discovered. I have a soundtrack. It's going on in my head the whole time. And sometimes <laughs> it's sometimes it's stuff which is other people's and sometimes it's stuff which is mine. And sometimes I come into my studio and kind of go, right, I'm gonna, I need to get that down. And about two days later, I realise it's somebody else's and I've nicked it. Um, <laughs> but there is, there is music in my head the whole time. And I, I know that's not... The case for everybody even even you know running down the shops when i was a teenager there was a there was a kind of something going on bumping in my head so what have we heard your work on recently so recently i've done a few things a, a couple of things which are out of the ordinary really uh, the first is a documentary called i am gen z which is on uh, available on amazon pay-per-view video now um which is about the generation that have grown up with smartphones so the Gen Z people, which is 1997, I think, mm-hmm. um, were the first generation to be born when there were smartphones. And they've grown up with TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and all those other horrible things. <laughs> um, and the effect it has on their minds, because um, it does cause anxiety. It does kind of twist you. Um, and it's a different sort of soundtrack, isn't it? Compared to what you have in your head with music, they absolutely. have got everybody else's content as the soundtrack to their lives and it means sometimes their life doesn't appear so that must have been interesting to score yeah it was it was a really interesting thing to do we had some music that um that i'd already played to liz smith the director and she liked and then we just it just as we worked our way through it just got more and more dystopian it was pretty dystopian to start with <laughs> uh, but it just got more and more dystopian there's a you know there's a lot of stuff in the film about um eating disorders and body image and anxiety but also I mean, it, it comes across quite positively in the end, in as much as a lot of these young people that are featured in the film are kind of like, well, yeah, of course we know that. But, you know, what are you going to do? It's a bit like, you know, cars are polluting the atmosphere. Well, we know that, but we're not going to get out of them. You know, it's kind of, it's that same sort of mindset. Um, mm. So it, that was that was quite an interesting thing. Yeah, it's just, um, it's, 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 and you, you, you've created the soundtrack to people not trying to let this thing rule their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, turn it off, basically. <laughs> abandon facebook and turn off your phone um unless of course they're checking out your music but we'll come to that in a moment <laughs> yeah there are other ways um and then uh i did a couple of things for uh as audio tours because i started getting interested it's, it's a bit of a saga i i set up my own record label about 15 years ago because i kind of was tired of other record labels and so i set up my own label which is just me and my friends really um, and then I started making videos. And then when I started making videos, I sort of kind of went, well, you can actually make more than this. And I started getting interested in augmented reality and uh, mixed reality. Mm-hmm. So that kind of got put on a hard stop for lockdown because obviously we weren't doing very much. Reality wasn't um, available did, during lockdown. 
<laughs> absolutely in any kind of reality, augmented, mixed or real. Um, and uh, I, I started making um, audio tours because I thought when people come out of lockdown, they're not going to want to go into some dirty little club and listen to music. Um, they're going to want to do something outdoors, maybe. And so I built two audio tours, one for Bristol, one in Bristol and one in Bath, um, which are a, a walking tour, basically, but scored. So it's everything I do is driven by the music and the want of music. Um, so I did some research into what had happened in Bristol. And apparently uh, there's a riot every 30 years. And so we did some more research into that. And the audio tour talks about those riots in Bristol. And as you walk down from the top of Bristol down to the water, really. Um, but also at the same time talks about St. James's Fair, which was a medieval um, well, fair, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, that, that ran there for 600 years until the Victorians decided it wasn't good for us. Um, and also a Victorian serial killer called Amelia Dyer. So I've kind of wrapped it all together. My record label's name is Unpleasant Bill. So everything I do is kind of comes with that that, that warning. <laughs> you know what you're letting yourself in for. And when you, you talk about the it, record label, this is this is the release for your EPs. And you're sharing music which has previously not been shared before, I take it. No, absolutely not. No, no, this is all new. Um, this is this is the other strand to my life. So on the one hand, I'm driven by somebody in my ear saying it needs to you know, go bump when our hero goes bump. And then on the other hand, if I'm not doing anything much else or there's something pops into my head, I kind of record it and, and, and let it run. And, and as part of that, what I've been doing, the last two audio only things that I did, which were, which is Babylon, the EP that we're talking about today, mm -hmm. and an earlier album called Desiderium. I'm also telling stories in those too. So it's not just music. It's one of the one of the problems with being a media composer is you end up thinking, you know, just music will do. And of course, some people don't want to hear track after track of instrumentals. Uh, and so these are stories about my early life and um, some of it's made up and some of it's not. Mm -hmm. Well, and the interesting part is you, you released it as a part work as well. So it was something that came out in the early part of the year. And this was, uh, it's almost like you, you if you if you were Netflix, you'd be waiting for the whole box set to land. And now the box set has landed. Yes. <laughs> I wish it was. I wish there were people binge listening. <laughs> That's a wonderful thing. I didn't think of it like that. I, what happened was I was chatting to a friend of mine um, about about social media i mean my life is good don't get me wrong i'm, I'm having a splendid time but um i don't really post much on social media because you know tim's going to get another cup of coffee and a biscuit it's not that exciting depends um, on the biscuit and so i was saying well i don't well that, well that's that's an indication of the rest of my life the <laughs> gary baldy is the most exciting thing that happened today <laughs> um so I was chatting to a friend about the fact that I never post. And she said, yeah, it was so much easier, wasn't it, in the 60s when there was a single and then nothing for months and then a single and then nothing for months. And I kind of went, oh, that's a really interesting way to do it. Um, so that was how that was why I released it as a part work to, to sort of fill in the gaps <laughs> and to go back to that kind of we're waiting for his next single theory. Because there's only about 12 people on the planet who remember that far back. <laughs> Well, all good fun nonetheless. So well, I take it we're looking from Pleasantville uh, when it comes to the, the label. Is that where we're releasing it? Or is it coming via uh, the Kim Halliday side? It's on both, obviously. <laughs> it's, it's everywhere. everywhere. It's everywhere. It's like those people in The in the Last of Us. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, out, it's on Amazon. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. Uh, if you go to unpleasantville.com, um, it's there. It's on kimhalliday.com. Uh, it just... Uh, you, you'll fall over it. If you go to the shops, you'll, you'll trip over it.
that would be yeah, well, if you go to the shops, there'll be a theme tune playing in your head as you're on the way as well. Uh, and it'll be one of these tracks. <laughs> we'll so, be fine. so we we're gonna take a listen to some of it now. Uh we're gonna t- choose one of the parts. We've got lots to choose from. We've got six parts, each with three chapters, I suppose they would be. Versions. So uh, well versions so, really they are, yeah. Yeah. So what what we're gonna take a listen to now, your choice. I think uh Dub of Tower would be fun. Okay, so uh, Dub of Tower, this is in the uh, the third track of the second EP. Yes. Okay, we'll work out what that means when we've listened to it. Meanwhile, give us all those web details once more, and if we dare find you on the socials, biscuit in hand. Yes, absolutely. So my website is www.kimhalliday.com with two L's. Uh, the label, the, the vehicle for releasing is www.unpleasantville.com. You can find me on Bandcamp, where everything is free. Uh, it's on Apple, it's on Spotify, it's on Amazon, it's on Tidal, everywhere. Uh, well, it's also available on a, on a website called sonicmaps.xyz, where I've mapped the six parts to where they're meant to be, you know, where they're about. So that's a, that's a, a wild trip between where the, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon were in Iran, or said to be in Iran, through to uh, just outside where my mum used to live in Basingstoke. So I don't think anyone's going to be walking that anytime soon, but, you know, you never know. I think there'll be a virtual tour of that, and and, and, and we've got the soundtrack for it already. It will, <laughs> it will need to be virtual, I'm <laughs> Lovely speaking to you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, very much looking forward to listening to all of this. Meanwhile, we're going to listen to the dub of The Tower, and I thank you Thanks for your time, much. efforts, and interest. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.
Jordan Mitchell is at it again, raising funds for Crohn's and Colitis UK. I would say to a charity that's close to my heart, only the region that it's more interested in is a lot lower down. Uh, Jordan, tell, join me now to tell me what he's got going on. Hello, sir. Hello there. How are we doing? And uh, how's the charity work coming together? Because I know there's a raffle on the way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, go, it's going really well. Um, obviously, we have um, a fair few events each year. Probably every couple of months, we have a, a major event, as we call it. Um, our next event slash raffle um, that's underway is uh, one where we've got a fabulous singer called Izzy E. Uh, she's a, a young uh, solo female artist, only 16, uh, won a plethora of awards locally um, and is starting to get nationally known now and recognised. And she's kindly donated um, her time to put on a event uh, for us where we can do our raffle, uh, do a little a bit of an auction for our memorabilia and our signed items while she does singing. So it sounds like an absolutely brilliant event. Basics of it. Yeah, that's good yeah, yeah. It's literally got everything covered. <laughs> absolutely, a great night out. We like a raffle in the Midlands. We always love a raffle, and the fact that there's an auction as well exactly. just makes it even better. Uh, and say all, all money for a good cause. So Crohn's and colitis uh, are two conditions of the the bowel and lower digestive tract. And uh, which one is it you've got? Yeah. So I, I have uh, a little bit of both. Uh, oh, get you mainly. Um, so obviously it covers Crohn's and colitis. You see, so mm. um, some people just have Crohn's, some people just have colitis. The colitis references to like the ulceration. Um, in the tracks as such. So I've got mainly Crohn's, obviously, in the bowel. We've um, luckily just slightly a bit of ulceration with the colitis side. Um, for that, obviously, I receive uh, eight weekly, um, sorry, every eight weeks, a treatment a infusion, mild chemotherapy as such. It's a form of chemotherapy um, that helps me just, balance my life not be affected as much mm-hmm. and helps me keep on the go as much as possible yeah because i mean i've mentioned several times in and when i've done interviews because i have ulcerative colitis uh mine's left-sided yeah. and also pretty much in remission at the moment she says touching wood it acts up every once in yes. a while but it's a it, it, it's basically it's like having eczema but where the sun doesn't shine in some ways uh and uh <laughs> it, it, it's a uh, the, the the steroid uh, applications which can go on there. There's all sorts of things like xalazine, which yeah, is yeah. anti-inflammatory. You're on the same drugs mm-hmm. as people who have rheumatoid arthritis very often. And, of course, there's also uh, yes. uh, a range of immunotherapies which can help in the case of colitis, uh, but may mm-hmm. not necessarily be as helpful in the in the world of Crohn's. Is It's, uh, in part, an overactive immune system attacking yourself. So, uh, you know, there's all Pretty sorts much. of uh, you know, conditions that are and features of the condition and having seen uh, my, uh, my my colon on screen uh, during a colonoscopy it's an unusual <laughs> place to visit isn't it absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah that's a uh, very surreal at the least <laughs> Yeah, but uh, the, with the the work that you're doing, that it helps with uh, the support through Crohn's and Colitis UK. They obviously do a massive amount of work, uh, even as far as taking a, a giant colon out on the road, uh, which has been in the Midlands in the yeah. last eighteen months. And uh, you know this sort of thing, so to raise awareness and. 
People can have something like a, a mild version of, of Crohn's and not really realize it. And there, there, you know, there were treatments out there which could help them feel better and avoid the yeah. the, the rush to the toilet, which uh, is, is is inconvenient and sometimes embarrassing. Yeah, very much so. But obviously on that, um, there's a lot of misdiagnosis as well, mm-hmm. uh, which I experienced myself. Um, you know, I'm 27 now. I reckon I probably had it when I was roughly 21, 22 years old. Officially diagnosed at about 23, 24 I was. Um, but I was probably misdiagnosed for a good year of um, them unfortunately telling me, you know, hey, oh, you're just a young lad, you're trying to get your time off work, you just want a sick note. That's very much my really? story on that. I'm 20 odd years older than you. And I was looking, I mean, it, with with colitis uh, in particular, I know that it, it tends to, to start around... 18, 19, 20, 21. Uh, and yes. it's, it's sort of like 60% women who get it and uh, 40% blokes. And it, it's one of those things that, you know, it, it's there and, it, and it's with you for life in some way or form. It's just how it, it works out. And interestingly, it always seems to be a, a Western disease uh, rather than something which is happening as much in other parts of the world as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, you, you do wonder what the cause may be, but uh, certainly the, the treatment themselves can be rather invasive and the support that you get through the uh the, the charity is absolutely essential isn't it everything from the radar key and beyond yeah literally i mean luckily i don't need to tap in too much into the charity uh, i mean i know the charity how well it works um i'm quite fortunate where i haven't really had to tap into it too much but obviously the main reason why we've chosen to uh, raise the money for the charity is obviously to raise the awareness and to help support the nurses because uh, we, we are fully aware that there is a massive uh, shortage of trained IBD nurses, especially, you know, with the 24-hour helplines, which is obviously probably the more uh, of a route that I've used before with the helplines, which are amazing. I haven't fully gone into um, all the depths of the charity. Yes, I've got my radar key, I've got my card, etc. Um, but I've been very fortunate that with the IBD nurses, when I'm on the phone to them or emailing, um, they've pretty much sorted me out in terms of getting me in hospital and then the hospitals kind of took over that. But mm-hmm. obviously my kind of main goal and objective is because of the, I'd say, poor, I wouldn't say maybe neg- negligence, but maybe um, it was quite hard, like I say, uh, me talking about uh, probably six months to a year of being misdiagnosed, being basically saying that I'm lying. Um, and it was only fortunate that the once that my doctor was off, um, another doctor examined me and was like, Oof, this is actually quite serious. Maybe we should um, take it to the hospital. And if it wasn't for that, mm-hmm. uh, it wouldn't have started off. And obviously going back to the hospital, um, the start of that was very, very worrying too because I had my colonoscopy, like you said, uh, which is obviously mind when you actually go through it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, and as a young lad, it's 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 quite hard to accept or to kind of go, well, this is what's going to happen. This is me. Um, but even after that, they still said, oh, we can't find anything. We don't think you're in any pain. Um, you know, pretty much backing up what the doctor said, calling me uh, in uncertain words, a liar that I'm making it up. Um, the pain's not real. They can't see much inflammation. They can only see minor bits. And it wasn't until, say, that happened roughly September, um, October, around that time when I had my um, 
a visit to the hospital. And then I was called in on an emergency on Boxing Day. Um, I had, I've been struggling the week before uh, Christmas and then following Christmas dinner, I'd have my, uh, you know, your big massive dinner. Mm. Two new roast potatoes, yeah. did I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it was the sausages, the bacon, you know, mm. the pigs in blankets, the stuff. Very, very often onion allowed. as well, that sort of thing will set things off. The stuffing probably. Oh, dr- absolutely. Yeah. Onion is a big thing for me. Um, yeah. Um, you know, and I was really bad and they managed to book me in on an emergency operation um, to cut essentially my back end open uh, without going too much into it. And when they cut it open, they was like, they, they was in disbelief of of what's been going on from obviously the notes that have been passed down to them from the MRIs, the colonoscopy, doctor's notes, examinations. Um, it wasn't until they actually cut me open, they was in utter shock and disbelief of how bad it was because the main source of it was pretty much at the start uh, of the anus rather than all the way um, up into the small bowel as such. And that was the main thing that was calling the the discomfort. But it wasn't unfortunate until they cut me open. Um, it was a bit of a godsend and obviously a bit of a realisation because it was the only thing that gave me some clarity and proof as to why I was in so much pain mm-hmm. and, and that. They've put you back together. You're managing the condition now. Obviously, yeah. it allows you to have yeah. more of a normal life. But they say the fundraising you're doing here is going to help those who haven't got the same sort of access that you've got and for the education and exactly. understanding that's out there. And that's certainly something that you need because sometimes when you come wandering out of a disabled toilet, you get a peculiar look and you've been there for a blooming good reason. And uh, you don't necessarily always want to have to discuss some, even a a minor amount of what we talked about here, but give us the details of the event that's raising funds for for this big one and uh, how people can get tickets and come along and support. Uh, Lovely. So obviously the biggest thing to do is obviously if you're on um, social media, especially Facebook, we have a a big page on there with all our information, all our raffle items and stuff like that, where you can pre-purchase tickets, raffle tickets, even if you can't make it. So you can still be a part of the fundraising. You still be a part of that. So that's Mitrabilia. That's M-I-T-C-H-R-A-B-I-L-I-A. So that's Mitrabilia. Um, check that out on Facebook. That's got pretty much all the events. The event itself will be happening at Coombswood uh, Sports and Social Club, which is Stewart's Road in Halzoen. Um, like I say, it's it's free entry, actually. We've made it free entry because we have such a large backing that we want to kind of give something back to the people who always support myself, uh, my family, and obviously the cause. So it's a free event, but obviously through that, we've asked if they'd like to make um, a donation of whatever they feel the night was worth before or after they can make a donation on the quality mm-hmm. of service they have received, which I think is more than fair. And obviously with that, people that potentially don't buy um, tickets and actually come along, uh, will more likely to have a go on the raffle or get involved in buying some stuff. So it's something I'm trying out um, that I've not done really done before, but it's kind of a reward to the the loyal people that help and support the cause while yeah. we can raise hopefully a couple of thousand of pounds well, on the crossed. night. That's the plan. That'd be good. Yes, but, exactly. Fingers crossed, definitely. And what day is it all taking place? It is Friday the 5th of May um, on the coronation weekend. 
it's Friday the 5th of May. Yeah, good luck with all that. Good luck with your ongoing treatment and care. And uh, hopefully they'll be able to keep you on the uh, the straight and narrow and uh, you don't have to have any more emergency uh, uh, work done. But, uh, you know, it's there's uh, obviously a, a lot going on with the condition and a lot to understand. You can find out more by searching yeah. for uh, Crohn's and Colitis UK and see the work they're doing nationally and the sort of area that your cash will go to help support if you look after what Jordan's got going on here. Jordan Mitchell, thank you for joining us. No problem, Jason. Thank you for your support as well. Get rich quick investment scams are targeting cash-strapped people in the UK. They're on the rise as new data reveals that investment scams account for 36% of all cases in 2022, with an average claim of £5,000 per victim. Someone who's here to tell us more is actor and victim of financial fraud, Adam Rickett. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, how are we? I'm good. I hope we find you well and recovering from the situation that was created for you. Yeah, I mean, my one was last year. I was directed out of the blue. I was directed. I was contacted out of the blue by somebody purporting to be the um, Barclays Fraud Department. Um, And that then became a two and a half hour process whereby at the end of it, we were scammed out of £50,000. now it doesn't you know luckily or unluckily as you might think it that wasn't what they were looking for they you know that was the tip of the iceberg they were looking to actually empty us out um but you know luckily that's halfway through the process i managed to at least cotton on that they weren't who they said they were but this isn't some unsophisticated thing where somebody's ringing up and saying hi i'm bob from so-and-so bank give us all your money um it's far more sophisticated than that you know the example i would give from my experience was they had cloned the Barclays Bank Fraud Department. They were giving the names of people who, when you looked them up on LinkedIn, sure enough, worked for the Fraud Department. They were texting me from the, the bank fraud line. Um, and I never knew that was possible, to be honest with you. Um, and it became a very sophisticated scheme, which I did completely fall for. Um, but that's not the only version of scamming that's out there. You know, scamming is now the far and away the most prevalent crime in this country. If you took all the other crime in the country, you know, whether it's prostitution, drug dealing, murder, whatever, and added them all together, it still doesn't even get to, the, you know, close to the amount of scams there are. Um, you know, in some reports, there's over four, there's over four, well, nearly four million scams a year now. Um, and yet there's only a prosecution rate of one in every thousand. So it's it. It's a kind of no, 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 you know, all risk, no, no, all ro- all reward, no risk scam situation at the moment. And the one we're seeing a lot of actually growing exponentially as well is these investment scams, which have been specifically created to target people during the cost of living crisis who are struggling and think maybe they can get that little bit extra to help get them through. So Nationwide have, you know, launched this campaign today, which I'm really happy to be involved in, to try and raise awareness of the issue and the steps that people can then take. Yeah, because you do need to uh, try and protect yourself where you can. But I mean, you you seem quite savvy. You know what's going on with your finances, and you were you caught out, but still realised what was happening partway through. So at least you know you were able to to spot that. So uh, you know, from that point of view, good that you're able to spot it. But were you able to reclaim any of the money that had been taken? The chances of you actually getting back the money once you've lost it is next to nothing. Because when you transfer the money or the money is taken, it is then thrown around various online banks and so on and so on. So the the banks themselves can't track it down. Um, 
in a great way, lots of the high street banks, not so much the internet banks, um, but the high street banks like Nationwide, Barclays and Lloyds and things like that and TSB have signed up to a code whereby they each chip into a kitty. And if somebody is scammed out of money and it is not through their own fault, then they will get their money back out of this central kitty. That, though, is not going to be a bottomless well. And obviously, people, you know, the banks themselves are going to be quite stringent about who and does and doesn't get the money. So if you give over your passcode or passwords or, you know, codes or anything like that, you, the chance of you getting money back is next to nothing. In my instance, I didn't do any of that, thankfully. Um, in fact, they were, they were very sophisticated. They actually specified at the very start of the conversation we had with them, we do not want to know any bank details from you. We do not want to know any passwords or anything like that. They, you know, with my instance, they were able to list off all my direct debits. They were able to list off all the last three times in the previous six months that we got hold out of a cash machine, uh, money out of a cash machine. So, you know, they are incredibly sophisticated. The, the, the best example I can give it is, you know, I can sprint. But if you put me again, up against Usain Bolt, I'm going to get absolutely whooped. And that's the difference between me being on the phone to one of these scammers and the scammers themselves. They are incredibly sophisticated. They are, you know, they've almost done degrees in psychology in knowing how to entice you, how to build your confidence, how to make create a sense of panic within you yourself that you're either going to have everything taken from you or you're going to miss out on this opportunity if it's an investment scam. Um, so the best advice is, you know, what Nationwide is saying today, and especially for its customers, is is you hang up the phone, do not engage. The second, you know, whether it's whether it's one minute in or whether it's an hour in, you just hang up the phone and you ring. So for nationwide customers, you ring the number that they've given you. If you're with a different bank, look on the back of your debit card and ring that number. Don't just, you know, trust that because they've rung you from the correct 0845 number or something like that, it is the bank you're talking to, um, or it's the investment bank that they're purporting to be. Just hang up the phone and call your own bank. Yeah, because I mean, sometimes there are attempted scams which make it easy for you to spot. And sometimes yeah. you wonder whether they do this. So when something like what happened to you takes place, you're more confident because the number's there. And I, I had a call yesterday, uh, which came from uh, a number in India telling me that uh, you know, the, the £1,000 had been spent on an online casino on a, on a card, which I don't even have. Uh, so, yeah. you know, the, 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 there are these things which lull you into full sense of security to make you think you're good at spotting scammers. And then they come along with something like you went through and actually they really have got some good research yeah. which is allowing them to try and take your money yeah you, they will do things like you will have somebody ringing you from uh, an investment bank with an opportunity or something like that and you will google the the, the bank uh, the, the business they're pretending to be from there'll be a website you'll look at them on company's house there'll be a company's house you'll look at the names of the people who are contacting you and on linkedin sure enough they'll have a profile working for that investment bank you know these are not silly you know these are not amateurs you know this isn't somebody ringing up as you say and saying you've won the nigerian lottery give us ten thousand pounds and you can have 10 million you know it's far more sophisticated than that and it is it is all built around the psychology of us as human beings to create that sense of panic and and fear and that's what they prey on you know i'm sure in their mind it's a victimless crime it's not a victimless crime because it's it's, it's you know it's, it's like thirteen thousand people a day now are being scammed and they are losing their life savings. They are losing the money they've put away for uh, their children for the future. They're losing their retirement fund. You know, these are not victimless crimes. These are destroying people. Um, and, you know, I'd love to say that they would always get their money back from the banks, but it's not necessarily true. 
Um, so we should, people just need to learn to be more savvy themselves. And, you know, as, as with this instance with Nationwide, contact them yourself and have them tell you whether it's, 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 it's true or not. Yep, absolutely. If you get a call like this, the first thing you do, maybe listen to what they have to say, take notes on what they've said and say, fine, I'm going to call my own bank or go to my own branch to talk this through. And then you will be able to find out for real if there is an issue. Yeah, I just, I mean, the thing is, well, engage, just don't engage with them as, you know, because I know it sounds ridiculous, but they are so good at this. If you engage with them for 30 seconds, you've lost and you're, that's it. You're done. Just literally, as you say, hang up the phone and call your own bank. Yep, and uh, make sure you can yeah, protect yourself and your finances. Where can we go for more information on the work that uh, Nation, uh, Nationwide are doing around this? Uh, well, Nationwide customers can go to the Nationwide website where they'll see the contact number and various forms of contacting them. For anybody else, you can visit the FCA, so the Financial Conduct Authority, or Action, uh, Action Fraud, which is another online um, way of doing it. Even if you can't do any of those things, you can call 159 on your telephone number, which is like a 999 for bank frauding, where they will tell you whether something kosher or not. Or as I say, just call the number on the back of your debit card. Yep. Do that. Talk to the people who you know are at your bank. You originate the call on a number that you previously know. Again, if they try giving you phone numbers online or on this on this call, don't go with it. Only go with what you know is printed on your card. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. I was getting called from the fraud department. Yep. And so it, you, you're clearly savvy on this. You still got caught out. Fingers crossed that cash came back to you through the uh, the schemes that the banks have. But that is goodwill. It isn't anything other than them helping out where they can. And as you said, it's not a bottomless pit of money, is it? Yeah. I mean, we were very lucky to get ours back. But as I said, you know, because it's becoming so prevalent, this, I don't think anyone can rely on the banks to be their safety net anymore. You know, they can help educate us, they can help support us, but I think the time is going to come when unfortunately it's going to be, you know, the, the well will be empty. So, you know, the whole point of this campaign is to or, is to educate people now on what to do so that they hopefully don't even have to go through this. Yep. Now, Adam Rickett, actor and victim of financial fraud, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Squire. That's it all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 724 next week. I'll see you then. Throw for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah.